1: Today, I'm looking forward to my conversation with Kevin Wooten, owner of Carolina Painting and Pressure Cleaning out of Lexington, South Carolina. Kevin has some solid ideas on marketing and how to keep your lead funnel full. He has built a solid and profitable business, and I thought we could learn something from Kevin today, particularly around marketing, a painting business, and what it takes to drive lead flow. My name is Scott Lawler and I'm a 35 year veteran of the painting industry where I've been part of growing several multi-million dollar painting companies. I have worn all the hats and have experienced everything you have experienced, are experiencing or will experience. There is lots of chatter about getting to a million dollars, but what very few focus on is what it takes to blast through death valley and create the multi-million dollar company of your dreams. We don't focus on fads, tricks or shortcuts. We focus on solid foundational business principles and and data that deliver results. This is the Consulting for Contractors Beyond a Million Dollar Podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this business. You know, take us back to the beginning and how you got into it and, and uh, the okay. um, humble beginnings, as they say. Yep. The olden days. Yes. Uh, so my day in paint company. And
0: so when I started painting, I was probably, I was in high school. So I'd say 13, 14, every summer, weekends. I mean, I, I, I uh, there wasn't football, there wasn't partying and concerts. And, uh, I graduated high school in 87 and I came to him and said, Hey, why don't, and I was running everything. So like, if I was on the job, it didn't matter, you know, I'm, I'm 14. It didn't matter if you were 50, I'm telling you what to do because I'm in charge. And, uh, so after I graduated, I said, Hey, you know, why don't we be partners? And he said, well, why would I want to do that?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so I said, okay, well, I'll see you later. So uh, as soon as he did, I went out and, uh, I think I went out probably the next day and got my first builder, who was somebody I'd already known. And, uh, pretty much started from there. I think I had my first employee within about a week. And that's how I got started. So I was graduated
1: in 87 and started my paint company. So back then, what kind of work were you doing with your dad? What, what was his business? Making? So
0: he did mostly, he did mostly new construction. He did some repaints. He did some commercial. He was kind of full, full spectrum. Um, I would say he probably didn't make money on new res, but he did a fair amount of commercial that I think he did pretty good on. So when I, when I quit. I, I didn't have any commercial contacts, so I went straight into the new construction. Um, so I did that for oh man, years and years. I headed up, to, I had up to about 19 painters. I could basically go anywhere I wanted to in town is, and just walk up to a builder, to tell who I was, and and I could paint for them. Um, because I had a good reputation. Everybody knew who I was, and we did what we said, and we we did a good job. The problem was I was uh. I was a money launderer. I was money laundering between the builder and the bank store and my employees. <laughs> so, you know, so somehow the bank business is always paying out. you know, when I need the money it's always there, but it wasn't that I had a bunch of money saved up and I was doing the right thing. It's just the way it fell into my lap. you know, ever since I started being in business. Um, so that's kind of, I stayed in the residential business. Finally, I got out of, Let's see, let me think of it this way now. So I, I got into residential, then about, I don't know, five, uh, six or seven years into it, I joined a peer group, I started doing some direct mail, I started keeping up with my numbers, doing the flyers, doing the yard signs, doing all this. And uh, just somehow I told, I decided again that maybe we should be partners because we're both paying work' comp, we're both giving estimates, we're both following up on jobs. So that was the idea then. So he quit his business because he really didn't have any kind of, he didn't have any kind of reputation. I mean, he was kind of fizzled out. You know, he was, he was a lot older. He didn't do anything new. So the deal was going to be, I was going to do the estimating. He was going to take care of the crews and we'd go from there. So we shut his business down, changed all my numbers over to his phone and my business over to his business. And it didn't work out. Mm. So after 10 years of me building up my first company, when he walked me out till we walked out of the shop one morning, he said, I don't want to do this no more. And then I was left with no business name, no phone number that I've had for 15 years. All my stuff was gone. Mm. So I had to start over again. And what year was that? Uh, that was probably in 2009, maybe 2005. Okay. So, uh so anyway, I, I did, I started it again. I had to change my name to Carolina painting. It was Carolina painting contractors. Now it's gotta be Carolina painting and pressure uh, cleaning. So I did that. Then I decided to open a bar, a restaurant bar. So I did that, which I hated. I never have worked for anybody besides Hill, and I never worked anywhere where I had to be at the same place every day. So the beauty of painting is I'm there for a day. I'm there for a week or two and I'm gone. Um, I started building houses. I did that for six years. I hated that. Same reason, same place, same, same place too long. So anyway, sold my restaurant in 11, 2011. I still always painted the whole time. It's still up today, but, um, got back, started it back up
1: again. So in 2011, started back up again. All right. You just said a lot. I got to, I got to unpack this a little bit. All right. So I want to go back all the way to your beginnings with the new construction, nineteen painters. Yep. And you said you're money launderer. I think what you're saying is everyone got paid but you. you, you yeah. You. Right. Yeah. So you 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 found that you know while in those early days there's a lot of work. You you really didn't know how to run a business particularly. It sounded like you had good management skills because you had people, a lot of people. You had good relational yeah. skills because you, you could get a job. What, what you weren't doing was making a profit is that fair correct okay i was making i was making i was making wages i mean basically
0: you know I, t- I tell this story even even when i was working in school i mean i was i had to pay i had to pay rent when i was in high school i had to cut my air conditioning on and off of my ready when i was in high school and you pay part of the electric bill but i would work on the weekends and i mean even in 87 i was making 10 dollars an hour which in 87 for a painter, my, my dad's painters were making $8, $7 an hour. He was paying me 10 But I, I always said, it, this is how the paint business has always been for me. I could make that $400 every week and be fine. And then he would say, hey, Kevin, I need you. I'm going to give you this job for $800 you can do Saturday. And then Monday, I would get a bill for new tires. I need $800. And that's kind of how the paint business has always been for me. Mm-hmm. It's
1: always been... It always is provided. Okay. This is never not provided. Okay. So you went to work, you combined your company with your dad's company. I got that. And then he said, it didn't work out. You're out on your own. Were you painting while you owned the restaurant bar? Some. Okay. But your com- it wasn't really like a the, the company wasn't really like going gangbusters. You were basically focused on the bar and restaurant. Right. And how long did that last? I had it from 08 to 11 And then before 08, I
0: painted for, I mean, I I built houses for about six years. And how'd you like that? I didn't. Okay. You know, the reason I started that is because I was doing all that new work and I realized that every single customer was mad. And it was basically because the builder wasn't on site. Mm -hmm. Nobody could ever find the builders. And, um, so I decided to make a change and, you know, I knew what was wrong. So I knew all I had to do was communicate, but it just... Like I said, three months at one spot was, would drive me insane. I, I have a new respect for my bank teller. He's been behind <laughs> that glass
1: for 25 years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Get him a raise, huh? All right. Hell yeah. So when, what year would you say you went back into the painting business, Carolina painting and pressure cleaning, full-time? 11. Okay, so 2000. 2011. So, yeah. so you're about 12 years so, or so into this iteration it of it. Okay, great. So when you went back into business in 11, what did your business look like? What did you do start doing? Cause now you had all this experience. you didn't want to be a bar yeah. restaurant owner. You didn't want to yep. be a builder. And apparently you didn't want to really do new constructions. Is that, is that correct? That's right. All right. That's so right. in 11, what'd you come out of the gate doing? So in 11, I still
0: had some customers that would call me for paint. Everybody knew I've always painted and I painted. So I didn't go out hiring painters. I painted and, uh, It wasn't long afterwards that I was starting to hire some painters. And, uh, I did some direct mail. I did, I did wrap the vans. I did do a yard signs. So I did have a website. I did my website. I was up on number one in Google pretty much the entire time. And I just tried to do a lot of social media posting,
1: not really buying, but just posting. Okay. All right. So we'll get into a little bit about some of, uh, your efforts there. So tell me about your business today. Um, what's it look like? What's your service mix? Employee model? So okay. So
0: today I, I do estimates. That's really what I try to only do. Uh I do like to do some pressure washing sometimes. So I will take the truck out and wash. Um uh, I got five people. I've got I got two couples that work for me, men, and, uh, men and whites. So I got two of those. And then I got another girl. So right now I got three painters that are girls and two painters that are men, and then Amanda's in the office doing admin work for them. So our day is, just basically, um, everybody starts right eight o'clock and everybody kind of runs their own thing. I, our, our pay schedules I and mean, our pay is different than a lot of people's. Uh, we do a pay for performance, but we still do it different than a lot of people. I do a percentage. Um, there's no negotiating. There's no, them giving me a price on the job. I mean, when we go, they get what I give them. And that's just what it's going to be. I do tell them up front, even when I have a new contractor coming in, Hey, look, we're going to try this. I'll give you this job. There's no negotiating when we get done. If you're not happy with it, you're welcome to move on. But this is, I'm giving you the most I can give you. So those two couples have been with me for probably. I've been mean, going on almost three or four years. They've been with me pretty much every every day. So uh, I just hired a new girl, and um, she's in the process of training. But I, I quit hourly. I used to do hourly, and I didn't realize how much stress it caused me. Me wondering, like, what time are they getting to work? How much lunch did they take? Are they overdoing their breaks? What time did they really knock off? It just stresses me out too bad, and my brain can't take it. Um, so I just found out that doing this by a percentage based on the percentage of the job, it's just, man, it's just a breath of fresh air for me because they don't, they get paid well, one week behind, so pretty much whatever they finish this week, they'll get paid next Friday for mm-hmm. And, um, they've never complained. I paid, I paid one of the couples last year, about 130,000, you know, and these are painters that make $20 an hour normally. And that's 120,000, it, it might've been 136, I can't remember, but it was, it was in that range. And, you know, they, it's just them too. So they drive my van, they do all the maintenance and service on it, they buy their own tools, they buy all their own sundries, so all I give them is paint. And uh, we work, you know, really, I try to give them about, depending on the size of the job, an average is 30 to 40% of the job. So I hear people, you know, sticking, saying, hey, you got to give them 50%, you got to give them 40 I have to try to keep a fine line between making sure they get paid enough money without overkilling because it really will hurt our relationship just because they'll expect it every time. And for me to do a, such a good job of selling,
1: I should be the one reaping some of that benefit. That's why they don't get the 40 or 50 okay. all the time. Okay. So sometimes we talk, a lot of people talk numbers and, and, and what we found is they're a little bit, a little bit get irrelevant because it depends on, Okay, but no, and it's not, it's relevant here. I'm just saying uh, what I'm, what I'm wondering is you know, what I'm hearing is that your bill rate is probably significant that your 30 to 40% is pretty good. It sounds like.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're getting, you know, an average person,
1: one of them, I mean, their check last week was 4,200. Yeah. Okay. So if we, um, and then you say thirty to forty percent, and then does that include the material, or you pay the material on top of I, that?
0: I pay for that. Okay,
1: so you're so you're at about thirty to forty percent of the gross, and then you buy the paint. They pay their own sundries. So depending right. on the job, it's probably what forty five to fifty percent. So you're at about fifty percent GP. Is that about? Is that right? That's right. Okay. You see, if you keep my, I try to keep my materials
0: down to ten percent. Because of course I always add extra in the in the material mm-hmm. for the estimate, mm-hmm. but the and so I did the dug down full amount. Mm-hmm. So if they don't use that material, it's it's more of my money. Yeah, and um, they provide their sundry, so they're buying their tape and the
1: call. Great, okay. So that's how I can keep it down to 12 percent yeah. material. Sure. So because of your um, compensation style, does each crew work hundred percent without just them those two? work together and that's it most
0: of the time most of the time they work by themselves just those two crews i don't like the intermingle them mm-hmm. if we do the intermingle them the way i do my estimates are so separated out that if i'm doing the inside of a house each room is on the estimate as a different land item as long as they can tell me which one they did i can know how to divide that job up. okay this week this week we're calling starting today they're calling for rain for two weeks so there may be some where we have to combine them inside, mm-hmm. but it'll be enough that we can keep them separated. Okay, and then what do you? And, and then if we do a small job, if it's a if it's a small job, to me is under is, you know something that's two thousand dollars, I might even give them fifty percent because you know if it takes them a couple of days, to me I'm not gonna, I gotta pay them. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, I'm happy. Yeah. So,
1: um, it just depends on the size. Okay, um, and what do you do with your fifth person? How do you, how do you do the, uh, put the first, fifth person into the Okay, play? So
2: I
0: so, so actually just started and right now. She's by the hour. That's the way she's always worked. She's been painting for a while. So right now she's going through the PCA training modules just because I do want them to go through that. And, um, she's doing really good, but what I'm doing right now is I'm weighing out what she's making. So basically today when she left, I said, here, Ashley's your work order. You. To separate from those two, you only do what you can do, mark down what it is. Because to me, hourly pay is really unfair for the painter, uh, because the starting wage in South Carolina in the seasoned professional wage is not too far apart mm. So it's hard to give them a, a future. How do you give these people a, a timeline and a growth chart? Oh, you're going to start down here at, you know, right now you probably going to start people at 17, $18 an hour. Nobody's paying over 25, well, that's only a $7 difference. I mean, for something you spend 50 years doing, Mm -hmm. um, so the way I'm doing it this way, they're responsible for what they make. you know, I've got a certain amount of that job that they're going to make. If they are fast, they're going to, they're going to make more than that 25. Most of my guys are averaging almost $40. Mm So right now she's going to do that for three months. We're going to monitor that. At least we save for three months. It may go faster because, like I said, I hate hourly. Um, and what I'm going to do for her, the other two crews have workman's comp and they have their numbers, so they get 10.99. She will be a full, she will be an employee, so I will carry her workman's comp taxes and get a paycheck. So hers will be more or less on a bonus situation where she'll get her weekly salary
1: plus a bonus will be her commission out of that job. Got it. The same way. Got it. So you have right now four people that are technically you have two subcontractor crews and yes. um Okay. And Got it. Perfect. Now since two thousand and eleven, this iteration, what's the largest you've been? Uh employee wise. Well, yeah, just manpower.
0: Uh probably ten. Now now I've, oh, I've been using subs. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I've had subs that'll bring a bunch of people in, yeah. which I'll count that. But, um, they weren't subs like my subs now. Okay. They were subs that they could bring 10 people.
1: I wouldn't who none of them. Are. Right. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so right now you have really a legitimate subcontractor model where you have two, two crews that are, have their own entities, their own insurance, and you're paying them a, a flat rate. That's great. And then you have your fifth person is a, is actually a W2 employee. Right. And the will be, love you too. And how, how big would you like to get? Or is this a comfortable size for you? I tell you,
0: I want to get bigger one day and, and sometimes I'm okay with it. I, I would rather get, I would rather, I would like to hire an estimator. I need an implementer is what I need. I need somebody who can take what I come up with in my head and, and get it done. That's really my biggest, that's my biggest issue. I'm a good starter. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm a good starter. I can write a handbook like nobody's business, but I can't get them to. I don't get them to rate it,
1: (laughs) you know? Yeah, I think that's a common thread with entrepreneurs that we all have more ideas than uh, we could ever um, put into play. So um, I am curious, uh, what's the split between your painting and your pressure cleaning?
0: Uh, It's a, it's. Pressure cleaning is very minor. It is. Okay. It's very minor. I mean, I, I don't, I I try to go wash on Fridays. That's when I go wash. Okay. So I don't have a crew that goes out and does it. I try to do them. I try to do about four, four on Fridays. And just because I estimate on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I don't on Monday and Friday. So I try to, and I try to wash on Friday and I'll do. I just quit. One other painter was a good. He's a good friend of mine, but he just kept sending me to the worst pressure job, washing jobs, and I do another painter's washes. Um, um, but I probably hadn't done individually, like gotten paid only for pressure washing, twenty thousand dollars this year. Okay, so you're really so, a painting
1: company. That's correct. Okay. Now, do you think there's a future in? Um building the pressure cleaning side, or is it just, is it really just a side hustle? You
0: know, I wanted a pressure washing truck, so I had to figure out a reason to get it. So that's why I I said, okay, I need to be doing some more washes. I think that so many people are starting up pressure washing over the pandemic and everybody who retires, they're going to either be pressure washer or cut grass. So you do have a lot of competition with pressure washing, um, I would love to build it up because you know what? I can make $150 an hour versus 75. Mm-hmm. So with one person with no materials, hardly. And, um, you know, you could have some easily have some good days,
1: but with that comes that many more customers for the small jobs. And, you, and we, you already touched on it a little bit, but you have someone in, in the office, you have an, an administration, some kind of a person in the office, right. uh, full-time? Full-time. Okay. And what do they do? Answer phones. Um,
0: they do work orders. They talk to customers, they answer emails, pay bills. She does everything. You know, I hear a lot of people saying you got to wait to a certain amount to have somebody in the office. I mean, if I had one employee, I'd have somebody in the office, <laughs> if I had one painter. Um, I laugh about it because, you know, I used to do everything. I used to answer the phones and we had answer machines and you had to stop at the paint store and borrow a phone to call a customer back during the day because you didn't have a cell phone. And now that we got all this technology, man, you can stay busy and all this stuff's supposed to save us time, but I can stay busy all day in the office now. And I'm going. What I got two crews out here working. Why in the world is it taking me and my office or her and her office all day long just to do work? Yeah, you know. So it's kind of double edged
1: sword. Yeah. I wish I could go back to my pager. <laughs> <laughs> you 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 just lost a whole bunch of people who don't even know what a pager is. <laughs> yeah. it's a square thing. To yeah. <laughs> Google it. Okay, you yeah. know how to do that. Um, yeah. all right, shifting gears a little bit, um, tell me a little bit about your marketing philosophy and, 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 you know, going back to even 2011, um, how have you, you know, gotten found okay. and, you know, tell me what you, what is your marketing strategy? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about your yeah. philosophy there. I do. Uh, the
0: first thing I ever really like, mainstream, bigger type marketing that I ever did was direct mail. Now that was back when it was uh i mean that was two thousand Just say this let's just say two thousand to give us a year, and I'll tell you, I spent eighteen hundred dollars and it made me about sixty five thousand so I was happy with that, and it did pretty good back then um it has not done as good recently in the last decade mm-hmm. because of emails and internet mm-hmm. um I have started back doing some e d d l marketing and actually I'm fixing to order more postcards today. And I'm going to not do the EDDM this time. The re- The return on it hadn't been as great as I thought it should be. I hadn't been yet. I mean, I've been getting calls, but not like I wanted them. So what I'm going to do is the is the direct mail that's going to be addressed and stamped and sent um, to see if that has any more impact than it being actually addressed to the customer.
1: And actually getting to the customer instead of them ending up in the trash because of the mail person. Right. So let's unpack that just a little bit for people that don't know what's EDDM.
0: All right. That's every door direct mail. That basically means you got, you target your area by the zip code and by the um, route number. Mm-hmm. So if you went on USPS.com and go under EDDM, you can pull up a map. And as you scroll over the map, you can see the route number. So if you want to be in a certain neighborhood, you scroll over that neighborhood and look at the road. And when it selects that road, you select it. It tells you how many people's in there. And the difference is going to be, that's going to be a 17 cent mailing. So when you send that mail at 17 cent versus a first class, first class mail. So the, the the problem with the EDDM is it's not addressed to a customer. It's, a, it's just going to. Go in the basically your box of mail sits by the mail carrier, and every time he goes to a mailbox on that route, he's gonna he's supposed to reach in there grab one and put it in the mail.
1: Um, and that's the EDDM, and that's the cheapest way to get in the mailbox. Period. And you, so you print, you design and print your own piece, and then I have it printed. I have it printed. Okay. So do you have a printer that's fulfilling the whole the whole thing, taking the post office the whole nine yards? No. He sends them to me.
0: I do all the, we do all the mapping out And then the way that EDDM works is I need to deliver it to the post office that services that route. Yep. So we might take it to four different, we might have four different post office routes that we have to go to. Yeah.
1: So, um, the, the EDDM is something that the United States post office came up with because they were, they're, they're losing money and they own the post, they own the, the box. So they're, they're, right. they're the only people that can put legally mail in a box. So they said, well, heck, why don't you just use us to deliver your direct mail and we'll make it cheap for you and and beat everybody else out. And um, there's a couple of ways to go about it. And we've just had a little crash course here um, with Kevin, but um, it's something that has been more popular because um, because of the use of direct uh, uh, email. A lot of people said the mailboxes were empty, were open. So uh, um but um there are some some limitations to it and you have to do com- complete carrier routes and like he's like like Kevin just said you do have to deliver them to the post office at that the carrier routes in so um a couple right. of couple unique things and and you can hire printers that will fulfill the whole thing to you they will deal they will take everything they will print it right. they will you know sort it and they will deliver it for you at, for a fee of course and and that's an option too so Okay, so you've been doing direct mail. You started with so that's direct mail. When you say direct mail, initially you were buying the list. Is that correct? Direct mail, they did my
0: list. Okay, and they they would address each uh, each piece was addressed to a
1: mailbox. Okay, and it would say it would say to my neighbor's ad and then their address. Okay, and so you're going back to the actual individual postcards like that.
0: I'm gonna try it this time with fifteen thousand and see how it goes. Um, I have a real problem with the post office, uh, not delivering mail. Yeah. I think, I mean, I went out in my mailbox that, you know, if it's a EDDM, I've went out there two days in a row and have three of the same item in mode. And it just drives me insane. Cause I know that person has paid for every one of those to be delivered mm-hmm. to a mailbox yeah. and, and they give you the exact amount. I mean, so when I give that to the mail person, if there's 362 people, I give them 362. So I know that when I got three, my mom's next door, she's got three, my neighbor's got two. There's people not getting them. Yeah. So I'm hoping that by doing the the paid, when I pay a little bit more, I'm hoping and you still don't pay 59 or 62 cent or whatever it is. You still pay a postcard rate, but um, but it's not 17 cents. Yeah.
1: So what would you say, what is your per piece landed on a direct mail piece? Um, uh, I can get on pregnant
0: for about eight cents. And that's delivered to me, wrapped in hundreds, already ready to go to the mailbox or to the post office. Um, so
1: my postage is 17 cents. That's twenty twenty sixteen. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, great. Right. So you do direct mail and you've had some success with it enough to keep doing it and dabbling. What else did you, have you done that you've liked? Uh, I do Google AdWords and I do those. So, uh, I've been
0: doing that now for a few years, myself. I've tried to let other people do it, but you can't trust them.
2: Well, we are about halfway through this episode of the Beyond a Million Dollar podcast from Consulting for Contractors, and we still have some great content left for you. Before we get to that though, I wanted to let you know about some resources that are available to you via the show notes. You'll find links to our website, social media outlets, and highlights of this show. You'll even be able to schedule a discovery call with Scott and our team to find out how consulting for contractors can help your contracting business. It's very low pressure. We'll ask you just a couple questions, see what your current situation is, and then get you started toward the contracting business of your dreams. The best part about it, it's completely free. So just click on the link in the show notes or you can visit our website at wwwconsulting the number four. Contractors.com and reach out to us there. Again, that website is www.consulting, the number four, Contractors.com. Now here's the remainder of the show.:
1: I know that you've done your own, and you feel, you feel yeah. pretty confident in um, your own. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that process and how you've learned about it and what do you do.
0: Well, if you start off with Google AdWords, they're going to spend every single penny you give them. I mean, the key to that for me has been the negative keywords. Um, you know, I kept thinking in my head, okay, I need to target all my, my competition, and I need to make sure their names are going to pop up whenever. I will pay for their names, so I my name will pop up when somebody's searching. Um, And you want to do everything. You know, I'm putting everything in mm-hmm. there and no negatives. They end up, you end up getting every person calling you for painting cars, painting pictures, paint, clown painting, face painting. So anyway, so my negative keywords right now, if I've got, if I've got 15 regular keywords that I'm targeting, my negative keyword list is probably almost a thousand wow. keywords. Wow, Well um, Because if you're paying for that keyword, I'm not looking for somebody who wants to know how to paint their, their bathroom vanity. So that's not a, you know, I don't mind. On my, on my website actually showing up for how to paint a bathroom vanity, but I don't want to pay right. for somebody to click my butt. Who's looking how to paint a vanity. Um, so I don't target anything. I got so many negative keywords that I was, I was spending 3,000 a month. I think with Google and now I'm down to probably, I don't mean, 25 or even 15% of that because it Instead of a hundred clicks a day, I might get, I might get five and I'm okay
1: with that. Yeah. Cause it's not people that are, uh, looking for transaction, not looking for information. Yeah. So for those that might not know what you're talking about, explain a little bit the, the keyword and then the negative keyword. Okay. So when you have a keyword, that
0: basically means if I want to look up red wagons, I, my keyword will be, it could be you know, red wagon or red wagon. It, you know, you can go separate together as a phrase, individual words. So it might be red wagon as a phrase. It might be wagon as a word. Um, but if you don't sell blue wagons, you need to have a negative list. So you would have a blue wagon would be a negative list because you don't want that person clicking on your ad for a red wagon when that's what they're looking for. And you only offer blue mm-hmm. wagons. So you have to put enough negatives in there. Um, so that you're is to showing up wasting time. So it isn't good enough to say, Oh my, Hey, I had 300,000 impressions today because 300,000 don't mean anything when they're giving impressions to people who are looking for your business. You need
1: 300, you need, you need five impressions for somebody looking to paint it outside of their yeah. house. Yeah. And so basically what you're saying is if you're not specific like that, then Google's gonna, uh put you in front of people that have no use for what you're selling are not a client. And yet they're going to charge you for that, in that, that position, uh, that, that, right. so you, they put you in front of people and charge you for it. And so the negative keyword is way more important almost than the keyword. It sounds like Dollar. a lot more important. They just uh, got me for a $90, a $90
0: click the other day. So, so what I do is every week, at least a once a week, sometimes more, I'll go to my Google, uh, ads, uh, page. I'll make sure the dates are from the last time I looked until today. And then I pull up all my search terms where people search for me and my ads popped up, I look at those search terms and say, okay, is there any search terms in here that I don't want to be known for? And then I can add it to my negative list. So you can't, it's not a one and done thing. You keep on and keep on until
1: you got however many search terms you need to not waste your money. And so now you're spending what, 500 bucks a month, 750, what? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Maybe not even that. Do you do anything in social media? So
0: I do post to everything as far as I do Instagram. I never get a job off of Instagram. I know some people think it's the best thing. I do uh, Facebook posting and I do my Google, my business posting. Okay. And I use an app for that. You know, I'll use Simrush or either I'll use another app called Zoho Social and they'll post everything to all of them. You
1: know, I, I do one post, they posted everything. Okay. Excellent. Those are, and those are apps or programs that people can subscribe to or I use. Can, yeah. Okay. Great. Right. What's your, what's your preference there?
0: Uh, I use Zoho. So for people who don't know what Zoho is, I, well, I was using everything. I was using, I mean, every little app you can come up with. And I got tired of having to pay for all these different apps. So basically I went to Zoho probably about three years ago because they have everything within that Zoho family. Mm-hmm. So I can do my website from Zoho. I could do my my scheduling calendar from Zoho, my books from Zoho, my everything. So you don't my meetings from Zoho, Word. Excel, Zoho has about 60-something programs that all falls under their umbrella that I can keep everything condensed into one operating system. Um, it's got its pros and cons for sure, because it's a, it's a complicated thing. And you probably won't quit spending the money on it because you can always hire programmers to go in and do special things for you. But it is something that that's what I use.
1: Um. But there's a lot of programming yeah. that people can use. Yeah, I think Zoho is uh, a really powerful um, technology. I I just think it just seems like not a ton of people in the United States seem to really be that familiar with it or use it. I, I think it, there might be yeah, there might be some more international users that are stronger than I don't I don't know. But yeah, I do I do once in a while have someone that sends me something. On the, on the Zoho platform. So I know it's very robust. So, so is that what you then use for all your, I was, that was another, my next question, what's your tech stack look like? Is it all Zoho? Okay. So I use, uh, mostly Zoho. I did
0: change. Now I use, I use WordPress. So I keep my website up with WordPress. I built my website. Um, I do use, let me just think of what I use here. What,
1: how do you do your estimates?
0: Zoho one is the all encompassing, uh portion of it basically you pay per employee so you pay like 39 dollars a month per employee and they get everything you don't have to do it that way you can just go in and use Zoho crl which is super powerful i mean even from just if you just did their crl you could do your campaigns your marketing i mean you could do so much just from that it pops up on the screen when they call who it is their account super powerful so you don't have to go in and and do the whole Zoho one um but Zoho one just has everything and that's what okay. I do.
1: And what do what about um accounting bookkeeping you zo so over that as well? Zoho yeah. books. Wow, you're all in. Yeah. Now you seem to be very self-sufficient. In other words, you, you you've said over and over I built that, I did that, I did that. Uh you've, you you for the most part you've done all these things yourself and research and, and, and done all of this building yourself? Yes. Interesting.
0: I, I, I've, i tried to hire it out and I just can't, I'm, I i can not get satisfaction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the marketing companies that say they're doing stuff and I mean, what are they doing? You don't see it. I mean, how can, I mean, I know I'm probably going to get beat up on this, but when you opt them, I mean, when you do SEO for a paint company. I don't understand how I can keep doing SEO every single month for years on the end when I'm still using brush rollers and paint. I'm painting inside, outside cabinets, commercial, residential. I mean,
1: how much SEO can I do to be paying them crazy numbers yeah. every month? Yeah. Think about the role you play in your business. What would you say your superpower is, or what is unique to you in, as far as what you do in your business?
0: Uh, well, being that hands-on with all the back office stuff is probably, uh, pretty unique. Um, I can definitely answer a lot of questions on that end. Talking to customers before I vanish, that's a superpower. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty much I can, I'm a good talker and, and then after that estimate, I don't want to be seen anymore, heard from or, or reported to um, but I mean, really, customer service and just just being open to talking to people, doing that. I mean, all, our our team is super good. I love all my people; like we're all family. And okay. uh, I mean, we text back and forth, you know, all the time. And over the weekends, they'll say something happens, they're texting me to show me. This weekend, one of them's uh, son, their tire broke off of the off of their um, lug nuts broke, and the whole tire came off. And the first person they sent. I probably was the third person. They sent the pictures to show me. I mean, so we got a tight yeah. grade.
1: Um, and you feel like you're pretty good at the sales sales part. Yeah. 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 But then once it's sold, you want to hand it off and you really don't want to manage the day to day. Um, I, I'm tired.
0: I want to, I want to get rid of yeah. that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I know that my business is only worth me. If I can't get it, somebody else to take over. If I leave, it's over, you know, and I've really, I can't figure out, you know, I mean, I listen to podcasts, I listen to everybody's podcasts, but nobody really lays down and says, here's how you hire the estimator. Here's, you know, what the fears I have is how much money do I need to have in the bank to hire this estimator? What does my backup need to be? What's a good scope? Who, who's providing leads? So it's just, and then what kind of person am I looking for? So it's really, if I could hire an estimator, even a general manager and an estimator, I would be happy because I could still sit in my office and do what I want to do, check jobs when I want to, or talk to customers what I wanted to, but not be required yeah. to.
1: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about managing your business. What are th- what's the data? What kind of things are you looking at and what's the frequency? Is it daily, weekly, monthly, um, lead flow, man, uh, revenue what are you looking at so i look at what's in the bank i mean to be honest with
0: you i'm not gonna tell you that i got a list of 15 numbers i keep looking at graphs and pie charts um i kind of look at what we've got how many people still have estimates out how many estimates i did this month or versus last month or last year my win ratio and just the general how much money we got in the bank because if all my numbers work out the way my pay is, everything else works out after that. I don't really have to nickel and dime anything else. Um, we're, com- we're completely debt free. I don't owe no money on nothing that I own. My- everything I got is paid for and that's personal and business. Um, and that's just the way I've always, always mm-hmm. done
1: it. I mean, so I don't really look at a lot of numbers. So okay. I me, mean, to be honest, you're focused on sales. It sounds like, so if you got, if you're selling something, then that's good. And if you got money, that's good. Your, your uh, job profitability is pretty guaranteed the way you're running your, your crews. And, uh, so that's, that's really the, the bottom line is, is, um, where, where's the money with the balances. Okay. Um, If you only could do one thing in your business, if I said, Yep, um new new law come in. Um I know you're not much into laws probably there. i if if I know you, but this is pretend. (laughs) You're excited about this. Okay. What's the one if I only let you do one thing, what would what would the one thing you do in your business that you would hate to let go? One thing that I would
0: not want to let go. And it could be anything. It can be pain. Yeah, it could be
1: anything. I'll even give you two things. I'll let you do two things. If it's that close. Oh, man. If I had to do something and I had to do one
0: thing, it would be, you know, I'd have to do estimating. They're just saying another way around that for me. But. Even though I only get out
1: of it. (laughs)
0: But do you like estimating? I do like estimating. I don't like the follow up. I don't like anything after I pull off. You know, I'm good with the customer. When I walk off, I know that they love me. And I know I can tell you about 90% of the time if I'm going to get the job or not. and I have no problem with the customers, but after I leave, you know, after pay for this many years, I'm honorary, and I don't want nobody calling me after that and asking me a dumb question. <laughs> I think honorary is a
1: good word for you. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Thank <laughs> you. I'm taking that up. I know you That's the only reason I'd say it to you. <laughs> Plus I'm not in the same room, so yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. get to me. Um. <laughs> But but it sounds like you really find a lot of pleasure in the back end stuff, the Zoho, and even the little bit even maybe the the marketing. It seems like those two things are also a source of pleasure for you. Am I wrong? You're right. I like I like to see it when
0: I like to see the results of that. And I and I don't mind sit I can sit at the computer yeah. all day. You know, so that would be my that would be yeah. number two. So my first. so maybe actually the estimate would be mm-hmm. number two. Number one would let me be in my mm-hmm. bubble in the office creating the stuff that I like to do. I mean, that could be handbooks, that could be lean technology for the shop. Um, it's just so much stuff that I can do from the computer. I feel like that I'm
1: every time I sit down, I got five minutes and yeah. I gotta go. Yeah. So, as we've been talking, that's really the sense I've been getting is you really like the back end, um, all that stuff. Estimate now it's it's pretty normal that the owner is the primary estimator and they're good enough, right? You built a solid business, so you you might not be the best, but you're good enough. You have a successful business, but maybe that's not, it, that's why I asked the question if I had to get you down to one thing. And I, I think your second answer is probably a little more honest than the first one, which is, yeah, if I could just sit in the office all day and someone else sell it, I'd be pretty happy actually right now. No, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, just all right. It. Let's get on that. Yeah. Um, uh, now I do want to just touch on culture cause you did. So typically when, when we have someone that is more sub model, we, you know, we sort of wonder about the classic culture. Culture has been very vogue in small business for, I don't know, what a decade or so at least. And, um, the idea uh-huh. of enjoying the place we work, having good positive interactions. And yet when we hire subcontractors they're not necessarily drinking all of our kool-aid or whatever but you 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 know sounds like there's a part of your company that still has a family atmosphere how do you how do you cultivate that and what do you guys do that might help unite you even though you are separate entities
0: well i think one thing is we're not only trying to be a family i'm hiring families so i'm hiring people you know these people are married and um me, I mean, they're, you know, they're always happy. I mean, I gonna tell you, they come in in the morning and it's just like, man, you know, they are happy and I mean, they work together all day. And of course they're together when they're not working. But, um, you know, I'll call them, we go to eat and we go to eat Mexican. Food. I mean, I try to, we, I try to always do something. I mean, if I'm going to the job or trying to get them drinks, um, uh, or if they're going, you know, they'll say, Hey, we're going to go to lunch. They call me and invite me to lunch. So, I mean, we, and that, and I don't mean as a group, even like there's two of here, but he's like, hey, we're going to lunch if you're going to be around here. And I go to lunch with them and they buy my lunch. So it's not just like, I got to try. We all do it together and it just really works that well. And I mean, that would be, that would be a different requirement for anybody that comes in. They have to get along. I mean, if they don't get along with one of my people, they're out of here. So... Ashley has been super good. She's a, she's married. She's got some kids,
1: so you can find good people. It just it might take a while, but there is good people yeah. out there. So, how many more years would you say you'd like to work?
0: Zero. You know what? If I would have started saving when I started working, I would not be working okay. right now. Um, actually, retired and not working. I mean, I have to say at least yeah. ten more years. You know, I do have. That is one thing I've been trying to prepare for. And I think everybody who listens to this, they should be doing the same thing. You got to figure out your next step. I mean, no matter if you're a one person or 50 people, I mean, you got to know what's after that. Yeah, for me, like my shop's paid for it's 5,000 feet. I could rent it out anywhere, you know, probably, I mean, today I can rent it for 2,500. I bought another shop right next to me. It's 5,000 square feet. I rent it out for 2,500. So I'm trying to prepare and have a couple of things coming in. So besides retirement or my social security, uh, I didn't really start saving until probably this last, this last go rail and I've done pretty good. Uh, and I wish I would have been saving the whole time. And I do notice, uh, it's the same thing I was saying before with the bank company when I, well, one thing we did start doing this year is when I take my deposit checks, which I do a 10% deposit. We don't put them in the company checking account no more. Those go right into a savings account. So that 10% is automatically gone away. I don't see it and everything else goes into the, to the regular account. So that's just one way I'm trying to separate without seeing it. Um, but I have noticed whenever we hire somebody or we, we take on a new monthly, uh, bill, you know, from somebody, I mean, it could be just say $500 for Google. We don't never see it. You don't never miss it. I mean, it kind of just works its way in it works its way back out and the bank account stays where it is or whatever. And, uh, so I am trying to figure out my next
2: step while getting that. So you
1: have an operating account that you um, operate out and then there's a savings account that you kind of keep it separate so you don't get fooled into thinking, that's a great idea. It's something that at C4C we report on your actual cash because a lot of people might have a bunch of money but they also might have a bunch of liabilities and that, that includes customer deposits. So they might be sitting on very little of their own money. And that's a great um, yeah. little visual that you have is you look at your, your bank account and you see them separated. That's, that's cool. Would you like to grow your business? Would you like to double it? I would. And I've tried to ramp it up a little bit this year.
0: Last year was not that great. The year before, obviously everybody did good. I did okay. Um, like I'm about a hundred thousand ahead of what I was last year right now. And probably really about a hundred thousand a in profit, um, for the company, but I have revved up this direct mail and so other things. So I am trying to grow, but I don't know. It's hard to compare yourself when you listen to other people talk on these podcasts with their money and, and how much money they're doing, because I'm doing, I'll be doing about I'm hoping to do a million dollars this year, just so I can say, I have a reason to be on this, uh, podcast. <laughs> Well, else? but the thing about it is, I'm going to try to do a million dollars with six employees or five, Uh, I mean, five, (laughs) five, and I just had hired that last, my last girl two weeks ago. So, I mean, I can do 800,000 with four people and be still be okay. Yeah. You know, but, um, I really would like to get in. I really would like to grow it up to where I needed a
1: salesperson and where I would need a general manager to make a real business. Well, that's one of the reason I uh, reached out to you. We know each other uh, probably initially through uh, PCA, uh, probably res- mm-hmm. probably residential forum is what I'm guessing if mm-hmm. I'm rec- recalling correctly. And we and we have a mm-hmm. mutual friend, uh, Ron Rice, as well. That kind of he he your name pops up from time to time, and only in good ways, I promise. Um. Yeah, um, I, yeah. um and I know that uh, even though you're not flashy. Um, you're opinionated and you've been, you've behaved yourself very well today. Thank you. Um, uh, okay. but I know that you have a very strong business, so there's nothing to be ashamed of there because what you're saying is something that people uh, actually, some people that just heard what you said, um, are, are not even believing it. Truthfully, they're going, there's no way with four, call it four and a half because we're almost halfway, Right. uh, you're going to do $800,000 and what, what the truth is, is you are, and that means you have a very, um, disciplined, Business. So your bill rate, your estimate rate, your cost of goods sold. You've talked to us a little bit about your thirty to forty percent plus paint. You know those those are true statements, and what that's affording you is a very healthy profit, which is why you're in this business. You're not in this business just for fun. You're in this business to make some money, and and I think that's what you're doing. Um, you're not um, focusing on some big number. I want to do two million. You've got a business that pays you and keep profit to the point that you're enjoying a good life. You have some property, you have some nice things and and you're enjoying your life. And I think that's really what I'd like for some people that are listening to this to get out of this is, Hey, the top line revenue is just a number, right? Everyone says a number. Lots of people don't even know the number, but you can have a nice life, uh, you know, having a consistent, predictable, and calculated process that, that Kevin's really, really has. If you're listening between the lines a little bit today. So as we roll out of here, tell me, what would you say to a young up and comer? Um, a someone that's just beginning or, or sort of just taking the first steps, you know, what would you say to them and advise them to do?
0: Rarely do I see anybody making money in the res. So I'd probably say, you know, it's going to be tough. I mean. People who claim they're making money maybe count where they're getting in and not count what they're taking the spending. So, uh, I'd be careful with new residential. It's busy work. That's all it is for me or what it was for me. Um, keep in touch with, keep a list and keep in touch with all your customers forever. Um, we didn't have email back when I started and if we did, oh man, I probably would only be doing pressure washing today because of the amount of money you make per hour, um. So I would do that and at least probably try to touch base four times a year to your former customers. Um, and I want to say one thing about reading all these books and all these Facebook groups, you know what you can read to your blue in the face. If you don't do nothing about it, it ain't going to do you no good. Go ahead and read the E-Myth because everybody thinks that's, you know, God's gift to, to business. But if you don't do nothing with E-Myth, I read it twice. I can't tell you even one thing about that book. <laughs> You know, entrepreneurial, I can tell you that. But, um, so don't, don't get caught up in that. And I heard a thing the other day that said, look, we're all trying to put this big puzzle together. So if you go and try to put a puzzle together from 50 different sources, like you're getting a piece from every 50 places, it, it's not going to go together. I mean, you got you can't, you can't get pieces from every single little thing and trying to make that into one puzzle. This this solve. So. You know stick with something stay stay with stay with one thing you know trying to take some advice and build mm-hmm. off of what you yeah, learn
1: i love it Wow, this has been fun you're a fun guy enjoy talking to you love your southern draw it's always always makes it war, warms it up Man, i mean in that field, I, I mean i meant to put that filter on <laughs> I, I don't you know, think what? there's a filter enough big enough to get <laughs> to get that one but, but Kevin, I, I've I've enjoyed knowing you over the years, and I I do think you've got a solid business that you can be proud of, and so I hope that some pe- people out there that are, um, maybe frustrated with what they've accomplished with a relatively modest crew can take heart with saying, "Hey, you've done a very very great job with with um, a modest amount of people, and you're you're doing great." Well, I appreciate it, and I enjoyed it, and
0: uh, what nears best, ah, uh, yeah. Oh, I appreciate you, buddy.
1: Have a great rest of your
0: year. All right. Send me an estimate. I will. All right, buddy. Bye.
2: Well, thanks again for joining us on the Beyond a Million Dollar podcast. If anything you heard on the show today intrigued you, or if you're just interested in getting in touch with Scott, please visit the show notes. You can click on the discovery call link to get started. We'd love to find out more about you, your company and how consulting for contractors can help you grow your business to a million dollars and beyond.
0: PayNet Podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.